welcome back to another episode of Kick-Ass Career Conversations with Louise. I'm going to point Louise, which is, I don't know which side you are because it's always flipped around on me. <laughs> Louise and I am Kim and Roger. We have Roger today. We're so excited to have you with us today. I'm very grateful to be here. Yay. Fantastic. So we're going to start off today like we start off every week. What are we celebrating this week? Um, I'm celebrating um, tiny habits, um, right? Struggling uh, often with business building activities, especially of late in the summer. Uh, I struggle a lot with business building when I'd rather be outside doing a million other things. Um, but I, I heard a really great episode not too long ago of uh, Think Again with Adam Grant, and he had James Clear on uh, with Atomic, Atomic Habits. And when I read that book, I was very anti-habit, Atomic Habits. I was like, you can't tell me what to do and you can't tell me that this is going to work. Um, but hearing his kind of take on it outside of the book and, and how he... Uh, himself struggles with habit forming and everything else. I was like, you know, I'm going to try this again. Um, and it really has helped over the last week and a half. These just doing some tiny little things, making these small little adjustments. Where do I want to turn the volume up a tad? And how can I help myself do that? What tools? Uh, Kim, you're doing some great stuff right now around the tools that uh, business owners can use and, and creatives can use. And so what are those tools that can help me amplify and just get into these little habits? And it's starting to feel really good. Um, so I'm celebrating those tiny habits this week. Awesome. Um, awesome, awesome. I still yeah. the book. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Roger, how about you? What are you celebrating this week? Yeah, I was fortunate enough. My partner and I, have, we've been together about five years, uh, took a trip, uh, about four-hour, five-hour road trip down to meet her college friends. And that was a little bit scary for me. I never met them before. Mm -hmm. And so just had a wonderful time. I had a great time. They were marvelous hosts. And just being able to meld into that part of her life uh, and do it kind of seamlessly was was a big win for me personally. Uh, not a whole lot of anxiety going into the weekend, but there, you know, there's always that back of your head like, okay, if this doesn't go well, how does this affect, affect our relationship and all that kind of stuff? And it was great. And then we had a great time and uh, I was just really super excited that I, that all went well. Hmm, that's wonderful. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. It was a good <laughs> car ride home. So that's good. That's, oh, that's huge. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Could have been a long drive back, but it wasn't. Absolutely. Absolutely. We know those feelings, right? It's like that, that really quiet road trip. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was all good. So I was, I was super excited about that. Good, good, wonderful. Um, I am celebrating um, relationship, a relationship in particular, my relationship with my teenage daughter. Mm -hmm. um, I only have one child, and um, I just have to say, she rocks. <laughs> like, it's pretty amazing how um, we have a lot of changes that are happening uh, in our household. Um, all good, but even good things come with stress. And um, she's handling them like a champ, but she's also handling them openly with open communication. And so I am celebrating that I had something to do with that, right? 
I had a little to right if I'm pat, patting myself on my back. So it's a it's a celebration bragitude, like just really excited that she's becoming the person that she is. And then I had a little bit to do with it, probably more than a little, but it's exciting. It's exciting and makes me happy. So yeah, it's a big win. Anything yeah. with with young people and your kids is a big win. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. You might know a thing or two about that, Louise. What's your favorite question? And we'll find out how Roger knows about kids. Introduce him first. Nobody knows. Oh, him. I have to do that first. Oh my god, I was so excited <laughs> to tell you about. I will do that. I'm slacking on my job here. All right. Um, Roger Williams is an author, podcaster, adventurer, and head crosser offer of his bucket list. After more than 30 years of working in the youth development teaching field, there, there's the, there's the part of it, uh, a year in quarantine and two heart attacks, Roger embarked on an adult gap year to prioritize a life in which he finds his own personal joy through living out his bucket list and inspires others to do the same. In 22, he completed a three-month journey traveling around the world to cross items off his bucket list and shares what he has learned with others on the Crossing It Off the Bucket List podcast and his book, Live Out Your List, Finding Joy Through a Bucket List Lifestyle. That's right. Right? <laughs> don't make me blush on camera. I don't oh. know. <laughs> I, I'm so curious. So I, I will, I'm going to modify my question a little bit um, here because I'm really curious. Like, like we often start off our careers thinking that we ha we are on it. We are on the bucket list. We are doing the thing that we're meant to be doing. And we often end up off the list. Somehow we take it right off the list. We take ourselves off the list. Um I want to know a little bit, Roger, like about like your career journey and and on the list, off the list. Like, what does that look like for you? Because it sounds like thirty years uh, in a career is like, yeah, that was totally a bucket list thing. Um, but was it like? I'm curious. Tell me more about that. Tell our listeners more. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with that question that we always ask. <clears throat> when we first meet people, like, you know, you meet, you get introduced and this is so-and-so and this is so-and-so. And our first question usually is, what do you do? Right. That that's, that's the question that we always ask that because we've allowed society to kind of put us in this, you know, pigeonhole of your job is who you are. And for some people that can be awesome. And for some people it's very fulfilling. And for me, it, I can say it was, I really enjoyed working with young people. I really enjoyed, um, you know, seeing them grow not just in the limited time I would have them when they were teenagers, but many of them uh, are some of my best friends today, you know, 20 years later, where now I've watched them get married and have children and go to college and have their own careers and all these things that, that there's a lot of satisfaction in that. But I think I, I felt personally like I was being, I hate to use the popular term, but kind of gaslighting, uh, gaslit into thinking that, oh, this must be so rewarding for you. And it, you know, it must get so much out of it. And I did, I'm not going to try to take anything away from that. Um, some of, you know, besides my own children's graduations, I love going to graduations and seeing kids, you know, with that excitement of having graduated from high school or college. Um, and it means something to me, but, but at the same time, you know, that's to everyone. That's all I was. I wasn't anything else. And I'm more, I'm more than that. And I think we all are. I think we're all more than our job. 
And for me, it, like Kim said, it, it kind of took a heart attack in the lockdown and a whole bunch of stuff to kind of jolt me out of that and to see that I am more than that. I have, I should be only working 40 hours or 45 um, and not uh, making work my whole life. And for a lot of people, you know, work doesn't stop when the, the, the clock stops in the afternoon when you're done with your job, you take it home with you. It, it's, it's emotionally draining. You're constantly thinking about what's going on next. What's, you know, what's tomorrow going to bring? What, a, what deadline am I behind? Uh, for me being in youth development, it was very hard to kind of try to stop students from emailing me at midnight to, or texting me at midnight to say, Oh, I've got this crisis. And it's, you know, like they can't open the can of, you know, Pillsbury, crescent rolls right it's, it wasn't really an emergency but so it, it's but you got to be there for the emergencies but but it's just you know coming up with those boundaries right before the lockdown i think all we heard was from corporation institutions is you, you got to have you got to have work-life balance you got to have work-life balance and then the lockdown happened and then all of a sudden people that decided that they were going to set work-life balance and set some boundaries then became quiet quitters right we call them, you know, derogatory names saying, oh, well, you're not doing the job. And even, you know, for women that, you know, it's their whole existence and can be wrapped up in raising children and keeping a house and doing all these things that, you know, all that, all of who they really are and what they want to be and that joy that they want to find gets pushed back behind them. And so that's really my goal um, in doing this major switch of a career is to let everybody know that, you know, you are more than, the thing you do to earn money, right? It's it's more than just your, um, sorry, it's it's more than you, uh, who you sell your labor to and what you do to sell it to them, right? It's it's your life is way more than that, and to really find joy, you need to figure out what those other things are and go out and pursue them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what would your today self tell your past self? Like the pre-heart attack, pre-gap, um, travel the world, create my bucket list, live my life. Like what, what, what do you have to say to that person? Like so that there was no heart attack or there was none. Like, is there advice or something that you have to say to that person? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was that I'm responsible. You're the only person responsible for your, your own joy. Right, we we tend to seek that out in either other people or in external forces like a job, and the reality is is that I can I'm the only person that can do that for me. And where I thought giving and giving and giving of myself, whether it was to my family or to the students I worked with or their parents or whatever it is, I was always constantly looking for that validation and that joy in doing those things, and that relied on other people. And what I found that I would like to tell my old self is that, you know, you're responsible for that. You need to go out there and find what that is and, and pursue it and go after it uh, because no one's going to provide that for you and that other people, you know, can let you down. And that's, that's your fault for putting yourself in a position where you're expecting that joy or love or whatever it is to come back to you through other people. It can. And what I've found that I would also tell my, my, former self is that as you as you're taking things out of that bucket right and working and crossing those things off your list you're not really emptying the bucket but you're filling it up with that joy that you find in doing those things and as you fill up that bucket that bucket spills over 
And the more things you put into it, the more it'll spill over and that joy. And you can uh, be a better husband, be a better father, be a better parent, be a better worker, whatever it is that if you're full of joy yourself, then that will spill over into the lives of the folks around you. Mm, I love it. it's. I love that. I, I literally was having this conversation earlier today with a group of women. Um, and we were talking about, I challenged them to say, right. Cause we, we put our joy, as you just said, and we were actually talking about success, but right. Same. Same. Exactly. So we put that out there to be reflected back. I can feel successful when, or I can feel joy when, and we put that out there. We hear, so we understand on some level that it comes from within, but building the bridge back to yourself is like one of the hardest things. Yeah. And so I'm curious how you did that. How did you build that bridge back to yourself? Well, the bucket list lifestyle is, is very um, <laughs> new, right? We've only really had this term in our lexicon in American English since about 2007 and a lot of people like no 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 i i heard about this you know i had a bucket list way before 2007 but using the term bucket list did not come about until that movie uh that came out in 2007 so it's relatively new in it and i think that it can be used in lots of different ways because there hasn't been any real like this is how you do it even the even the the writer of that movie has like come out with a book and said this is what a bucket list lifestyle is and so one of the things that i've found is that I wanted my list to represent me and my intention. So setting an intention is like the first thing you need to do to make sure you're not just living a FOMO lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. There's a big difference between a bucket list lifestyle and a FOMO lifestyle, at least to me, that I can go on Instagram and, and see all these wonderful things, all these different people are doing all around the world and go, oh, I want that, right? But why? My question is, folks, is why? Because if if you don't have a why behind why you're going to do something, why do you want to go to Machu Picchu? Why do you want to go to Angkor Wat? Why do you want to go to Paris? What you know? What what is it that it's going to bring you joy out of doing that experience? And it could be just a vacation, that's okay. But really, kind of looking at it and saying, why is this mine? Why is this on my list? And for me personally, um, I set the intention of I want to build community, whether that's um, repair or extend existing community or um, grow new community. That community was going to be the driving force of the things that I put on my bucket list. And so having that intention and allowing me to say, okay, is this thing, doing this thing that I see other people doing, is you know, riding in a balloon over Cappadocia, Turkey, how, what does that mean to me and what does it mean to my intention? I can like use that, the intention as a lens to say, is this list my list or is this just somebody else's from Instagram? And so that's that's really where I think the, the rubber meets the road, that if you start with that intention, then you can create a list that's yours. Then you can manage a list that's yours. It really is that first building block to making a successful bucket list lifestyle. Yeah, it's uh, all of those things I say over and over again to my career clients, right? So like, how do you build a career that fits you 
and I, it's not full of shoulds or other people's expectations. And it is like all of those things you talked about, about living a bucket list lifestyle. It's like, how do we build a bucket life career? For mm -hmm. us? It's like part of our lives for sure. sure. But when we can align that with intention, with understanding, with like our own purpose, our values and understanding our why, like, why do we wake up in the morning and right, uh, do what we do for for money? Right. Because we all need money. Um, but 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 why? Right. What does that bring us closer to? What's the real intention behind that? Um, I love that because that is all about control um, and not giving your power away to someone else. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I, I during my uh, 2022 trip to Europe, I spent three months. Uh, I went to Costa Rica, Spain. Uh, Italy for a couple months, Israel and London uh, on my way back home. And, you know, as Americans, when we travel long distances like that, everybody or anybody that's ever been to one of those destinations has something that you need to do while you're there. Right. So I had somebody say, oh, you, you're going to Italy. You need to try gelato. And it's like, yeah, I pretty much figured that at some point I would walk by like seven gelato places every day. <laughs> I don't need to put that on my list. Um, my mother was, you know, oh, you're going to London. You have to go to the museum. And I'm like, mom, I'm not really too interested in, you know, looking at stuff that white people stole from brown people in, in a museum in a white place. And I'm just like, I don't, that's not really my thing, you know. So uh, when I was in London, I spent a whole day just visiting Ted Lasso filming locations. Like that was, you know, that was on my bucket list that I wanted yeah. to do those things. And, and so it was mine, right? I mean, yeah. made that mine. It, not everybody's going to do that. You're excited about the show. I, I'm excited about the show, but not everybody watches it. Not everybody's into it. But for me, I was just like, I got to go do this. You know, I'm never, I'm not likelihood I'll ever have a chance to do this again. I'm going to go do it. So to me, it's, it's against making that list yours with that intention. The list becomes your list, not somebody else's. I got so excited about that. Cause yes, I do <laughs> love the show. And, um, I knew that I had wanted to go to Amsterdam for a long time. Now we don't have it on the calendar of when to go, but like I've already plotted out like, cause I, I'm like, they shot that scene. They shot that scene. Find that houseboat. I got so excited. Find that houseboat. Yeah. And it's so much fun. may not be there. Yeah. But it's so much fun. Cause like, you know, I have pictures of me next to the practice pitch and my face was just hurting. Like, cause it was smiling so much for being there. And it took me, you know, it was a journey just getting there. It's a whole other story. But, it, you know, I was just so happy. I was just so excited. And and no one could take that away from me. Like, I would, and not very many other people have it, right? <laughs> so so it's kind of, it's my own. It's mine. And and I get to claim that. And, you know, the response that I got from people, you know, on Instagram when they saw the pictures, like, Where, how, what? How would you do that? Where is it? You know? So, you know, it, uh, my hope is that not instill somebody's FOMO of not being able to do that. But it instills somebody's, you know, uh, encourages them to say, okay, what am I, what am I into? What am I about? What other things do I like? And how do I make those things come true? Well, and what you just said is so important, right? And it goes back to that. How do you bridge, build that bridge back to yourself? Because so many people, a lot of my clients, a lot of people that we talk to, even, even on here, it, you, they, you ask them like, so what do you like? What do you enjoy? What do you do? Like, <laughs> and they don't know. Mm -hmm. How did you start to identify what were the things that would go on your bucket list that you, it's like, I know you had that intention. So how did you start to identify what those things were? 
Yeah, well, most people in the United States would like, I think it's like 95% when surveyed said they have a bucket list, right? Mm -hmm. But only 40% of the people say they've actually have it written down and are doing something about it. So we've got this huge gap right, of, of people that, you know, say, I got these things in my head and, you know, but, I, but I'm not sure about them. And when you put something in your mind and don't write it down or don't have it someplace, you know, typed up into the computer or whatever, you can lose it and it doesn't, doesn't become the focus. So I, I say with the, as much vivor as I can that you need to write it down, right? It's, it's that process that you have to go through when you actually write it down. Cause it's easy to be scrolling through Instagram or wherever and say, Oh, that's cool. I'd like to do that. But to actually write it down and say, I'm going to do this. Um, that's a huge deal <laughs> in your brain. And like for me, my partner and I both have our bucket lists and our joint bucket lists uh, on our mirror in our bathroom that we can look at every morning when we wake up and every night when we go to bed, we're reminded of, okay, we need to go do these things. You know, for, for me, like vision boards and those kind of things are great. But um, until you put, put it down and say, oh, this is a bucket list. And for a bucket list item, the intention is that it gets crossed off, right? It's not that you just put it on a list and, you know, look at it every once in a while, but it's to say, okay, do this. You, you, you said you were going to do this now go do it. And so it's really, you know, setting that intention and saying, okay, what do I want on my list? Um, I'm going to put this on paper. What do I want on my list? And having that sense of, you know, okay, it needs to be about community. So what are some of the things I can do about community? And for me, the, the first thing that popped into my head when I started doing this of writing it down was to walk the Camino de Santiago, which is uh, roughly 700, 800 uh, mile trek across Northern Spain. It takes about 30 days. And for me, I knew that like that experience was gonna provide community. I, I went by myself, at least for the first three weeks. And I knew that I would be stopping in cities every night with different people and meeting folks. And I really wanted to have that. That was my intention of doing the Camino was to grow a community of people uh, from around the world. That, that I could become friends with and have long-standing relationships with. For some people, they don't want to do that. They want to walk the community, be left alone, and that's not, and that's okay. But for me, the community part of it was was super huge. Staying in those hostels, eating lunch with people you don't know, meeting new people as you're walking, all that kind of stuff was really super important to me. And so it was easy that that was the first thing that you know popped into my head to put on my list, but it was also the easiest thing to say, okay, if it's that important because of community and for me to build that community, if it's that important, then it goes to the top of the list of crossing it off. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did in 2001 wow. or 2021, sorry, 2021. Yeah. Um, and I think too, like when we write it down and when we have that, it really allows us that sense of like, what's the priority? Like it really needs to be mine. Our bucket lists are not pages and pages and pages long. Um, it, it's it's like, what are these things that are really important and, and do they belong to me? Uh, mm -hmm. right? And I think that also that writing that down, seeing it again, right? Um, helps you manifest like all of the, it's the what, right? I might not know the how right now, but this is the what. Um, what is it going to feel like? You can start to really imagine yourself when you're seeing that written down there or that picture over and over and over again. Uh, I think vision boards are great when you actually see them all the time. Right. Um, right. And you're not like putting them away somewhere. Yeah, behind the door. Yeah. Or pulling them out next year to say like, what did I do with my vision for the year? But it, it is, it's that constant reminder and getting really, starting to get really, really clear 
on not, not just the what, but the why. And then I think the how then just starts to become a little bit easier to make that happen because you get really grounded in those other things. Yeah. I think it's, for me, it's super important that when you put something on your list, it's obtainable like that, that should be another part of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so the story that I always tell folks is that I love Saturday night live. I've always loved Saturday night live since I was seven years old. I've been watching the show for 40 some years. I don't care if other people think the season's bad, the cast bad. I don't care. I'll just watch it. It's no big deal to me. I just love it. So in my head and in my, in my brain and my dreams at night, sometimes I'm like, I would love to stand on that stage on Saturday night at 1130 PM and say live for New York at Saturday night. Uh, that would just be an amazing thing for me. The reality of that happening is very, very slim and so slim that there, since that show has been on, there have been more starting quarterbacks in the entire NFL than there have been people that have said that phrase, like it's half the amount uh, on that stage. So it's like super, super, super rare that that would get to happen. I'd have to like become the rock or <laughs> figure out a way to become a, a you know, stand-up comedian and get on the cast. I mean, it, just at my age of 53, it's probably pretty unlikely. Uh, another thing that I'm super into though, is I, I love Star Wars. Again, 1977, been around the whole time. Uh, I've watched everything. I love everything. I'm into it. Um, and so I would like to be on the set in costume on a, on a Star Wars movie. I don't care what it is. You can, I'll stand on my knees and you can put a Jawa outfit on me. I'll put on the whole Stormtrooper outfit and miss every target. You know, whatever, whatever it is, I would do it. Uh, and I think that if I like, you know, really set that in motion, I could get that done. Like I know enough people in the business and I know people that are connected to it. Then I understand the process. I, I probably could get that done uh, just to be able to say I was on the set. And again, that's community to me, right? Like there's this whole lore and mythos and, you know, fandom around Star Wars that, that to be involved in that community at that level, that would be enough. Like they don't have to pay me. Like they can pay me, you know, scale. It's fine. You know? <laughs> But but I could get that done if I really put you know my mind to it and, and put my resources to it. I could do it, and so I think that's super important as you put your bucket list items together as well. That they're they're obtainable. That you can obtain them um, because if you don't, then it's it's not you can never cross it off. And that should be the purpose of a list. The bucket mm-hmm. list is for you to be able to say I'm crossing these items off. I love what you're saying because the I do something similar like once a quarter. Um, I have, well, I have a vision board. I do my vision board and it's, it's an active vision board. It is where I see it every day and it, I connect with it every day. But the, the thing that I do every quarter is I actually create a vision map for myself. And that vision map is based on, um, my intention. What, what is it that I intend to feel or experience by the end of the next, by the end of the current quarter? Right. And so, at that point, I then have to prioritize what are the things that need to shift that might need to happen in order for me to get to that intention. And then under that, I can figure out what are those little action steps, right? Who do I need to talk to? What what person do I need to involve or, or what phone call do I need to make? But it always starts with that intention. And the intention is, is key because it's what can give us that filter. Like Louise was saying, it's not about the how, it's the filter of where do we find those priorities? And so it's so interesting because while it's not a bucket list, it has exactly the same type of outcome because it's more likely to happen this way. Right, exactly. And for me, I I just call it a bucket list. 
I tell people that, that come as guests on my show, I'm like, I don't care if you call it life goal list or you know, <laughs> yeah. my to-do list before I die. What well, yeah, that that's semantics. It does, you know, whatever it is. But to have some kind of list where you say, okay, I'm gonna do these, I'm actually gonna go do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is is a super superior way of of making sure that you actually get them done. Well, because it's your life. You actually get to mm-hmm. choose how a craft. We talk about yeah. crafting our lives and our career. You're crafting your life by doing yeah. it. And, and crafting, you know, one of the things I say is that in America, you know, the greatest thing that we have going on in America is that you get to tell your your own story. The, the worst thing we have going on in America is that everybody gets to tell their own story. Yeah. So, and the reality is if you don't tell your story, somebody else is going to. And you're probably not going to like how it sounds <laughs> if you if you wait around and not tell your own. And so, again, it goes back to that question of what do you do? And for me, I, I you know I wanted to answer that question. I crossed things off my bucket list. That's a much greater you know conversation starter than you know I saw rolls of paper at Dunder Mifflin in Ohio, right? <laughs> I mean that that conversation is about over, right? Unless someone goes, is that a real place? You know, it, it, but it but it's kind of when you say who you are, there's a limited amount of stuff. But when I, when I say I cross things off my bucket list, people are like, well, wait wait a minute, like what? Well. I don't know. I got knuckle tattoos and they, you know, you got knuckle tattoos. Why did you, <laughs> why'd you do that? So there's a lot more follow-up questions, I think, that are more interesting and say more about me um, when I have that conversation than when I do, I work at South Seattle College and I help kids get into college. Not a bad conversation to have, but I think it's more engaging and people know more about me when I can tell my experiences. What was it like when you, like, through your pivot, um, were you surrounded by supporters and cheerleaders or were the naysayers and folks to say, like, what the hell are you doing, Roger? Like, you're kind of like throwing it all away. Well, I'm 53 years old, so it takes a lot of naysayers to, like, stop me from doing anything, right? I'm, I'm pretty much set in my ways. So when I do pivot like that, there's not a lot of of naysaying because people are like, Oh, well, there he goes, you know? Um, and I've been kind of plagued with that all my life a little bit because I'm an Aquarius and I like, you know, I have a hundred million, million dollar ideas every 10 seconds. So, you know, and, and follow through was never there. And so I think a lot of people were just like, okay, yep, sure. Yep. Uh huh. And then when I went out and actually did it, I think people like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Uh, I have um, a best friend who was totally like, yeah, you go. That, that sounds like it's something you need to do. My partner was, um, you know, financially a little concerned in the beginning, but it was just like, okay, I'm, I'm here to support you. The biggest conversation that, you know, even at 53, that was the hardest one I felt like I needed to have was with my father mm-hmm. and um, who has since passed away. But it, it, that one was like, oh my God, he's super conservative, not, not a, a very well, um, not a person that liked to travel a whole lot, although later on in life, he and my mom were able to see, you know, some good parts of the world. Um, but as growing up, that was not a thing. And so that was going to be the hardest conversation. And, and it was these, it was probably one of the easiest ones. Um, I made it in my head that it was going to be hard. And again, it's going back of telling your story, right? If you're confident and secure and know your, know what you want, and it's driven by an intention, then when you share that story with folks, it's your story and they're gonna know that. 
sure there's always people that are going to be like no don't do that that you know nobody does that well most likely if you remember that those are the people that probably aren't going to do anything or are jealous or you know or whatever it is that's their stuff that's not mine right so i was i was prepared to be like okay well if you're not into this or you don't you know you're not going to be supportive that's okay it's all right because I don't need it. Again, it's about me finding my own joy. And so if I'm secure in knowing my intention and knowing what I want and how I want to find my own joy, other people's stuff, it should, you should be able to, to shrug it off because uh, they don't run your life. They don't get to decide. It's yours. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the more confident and the more clear we are in the path that we want to take, the easier those conversations are. Um, they just come out different. Um, and and you said it too, is like we can build up these stories inside of our heads that we're, right, we're not being supported or the conversation is going to be hard or it's going to be financially difficult or it's impossible mm -hmm. to do. And these are all stories in our head. But once we get them out, um, you can start to see what kind of support there is. You start to see, you know, what, what financially you can and can't do yet. Uh, what do you need to make your, your bucket list or your career pivot or whatever it is? What do you need to make that really happen? Uh, I talked to so many people about runways and how do you craft a runway to make sure that you do have some financial freedom to, to make a pivot, to figure things out. Uh, because we just sometimes head down, it feels like we have to make money and we have, we'll never have enough. And it's like, well, can we define enough? Can we define mm -hmm what that looks like. And then all of a sudden those things become so much closer and so much more achievable. Um, it, it's, it's really interesting because we do, we get in our own way a lot. Yeah. And, and as far as the money goes, I mean, that's something else I think that's a myth about the bucket list lifestyle that this is like, Oh, we're, you know, we're going to see the great pyramids or we're going on safari in you know, Southern Africa, or, you know, we have to do these amazing journeys that, um, cost a lot of money and a lot of time. And for me, it goes back to that fundamental thing of, does this bring you joy, right? Uh, if I do this, how am I going to experience joy for myself personally? And how will me doing that affect other people around me? And so it thinks on your bucket list don't have to be these grand adventures, right? Um, on my bucket list, I've, I've had get tat you know, knuckle tattoos and it was, you know, like 45 minutes and couple hundred dollars, right? It wasn't, wasn't a massive deal to do that. It's a massive deal to have them <laughs> and permanently on my body and how I deal with that in society and all that other stuff. But the reality of getting it done and doing it, it isn't that big of a deal. I was working with um, mentoring someone and she was um, telling me how she didn't like to travel. Like she was not a traveler. Like that was just not going to happen. That was nowhere in her mindset or ability or desire to go other places. And I said, okay, well, what, do you, what are you into? And she goes, I love Thai food. I said, okay. And she said, but it's really hard to make. So I don't, I would like to learn how to make it. I'm like, all right, find 12 recipes that you would like to make and bring those back to me. And she did. And I said, okay, pick the one that you love most. And take a whole month and just teach yourself once a week, try to make that, make that dish. And at the end of the month, if you feel confident that you've done a good job at making it this, cross it off your list. And that list of recipes became her bucket list. Uh, I, I am personally um, in the process of crossing off how to learn how to play the ukulele. Right? It cost me $75 to buy the ukulele. I, you know, I take 18, set aside 18 minutes a day where I practice and, and, and trying to teach myself. 
but it didn't cost me a whole lot to do that. It's not a whole lot of time, but it does bring me great joy to be able to learn how to play that. And hopefully one day as I'm traveling around, I can take, you know, the ukulele with me and, you know, bring joy to other people through playing it in a, at a youth hostel someplace or on next to a fountain somewhere. <laughs> I don't know, but, but I just want to be able to have that kind of skill in my back pocket, but it's, it doesn't cost me a whole lot. It's not grand and, and uh, you know, uh, ex maybe exciting for other people, but super cool for me. And that's all that should matter. It should be your list. It's so interesting because what you just said, I think is so important is it doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't take a lot of money. These are, these are micro steps of joy. Yeah, they can be, they can be huge ones. They can, yeah. but they don't have to be. <laughs> yeah. For me, like for the first thing when I, after I wrote down my list and said, how am I going to do this? Like going and doing the, the Camino de Santiago wasn't just about the fact that I knew I would get all this new community, the fact that I would go someplace I'd never been before. But it was I knew for me going back to being an Aquarius and, and flaky is that I knew I had to accomplish something big, not for anybody else, but for me because I hadn't had that follow through. So that's what drove that. The, the reason why that was at the front of the list, because I wanted to be able to say to myself, you can do this. And and when I got to the you know final plaza there in front of the cathedral, uh, Compostela, um, it was, you know, a lot of people that walked the Camino, just like, I want to go do it again. Right. They had such an amazing time. It was so impactful. They're like, Oh, like, let's, you know, how do I call my boss and tell him I'm going to be, you know, another month and I'm just going to go back to St. Jean de Pierre de Port and I'm going to start walking again. Right. They, they just love it. And I, and I, and I love that for them, that that's their passion and they really get into it. And I have several friends that did it the first time when I did mine who have already gone back and done it again. And that's great. But for me, standing in that, that plaza out underneath those steeples, it, for me, it was what's next. I, I, I got it. I, I, I did what I said I was going to do. I accomplished it. I followed through. Uh, so what's next? And, and so it was just freeing for me to come home. And after, you know, greeting my dog and, you know, putting my clothes away, I went back. The first thing I did was go back to my list. I got to cross off the Camino Santiago and I'd look at that list and go, okay, what's next? See, and that's a big part of, of it all too, is that, when you can have that one accomplishment, that one thing, it's like, hey, I can do this, mm -hmm. right? I can, and it doesn't have to be the biggest thing on your list, but it starts to build that confidence in yourself that you actually can do the thing that you wrote down. Um, you have all of the faculties and all of the all of the things that you need, all the resources that you need to make it happen, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the first part of my book, you know, it's, it's about setting that intention. And really where I, I ask people to focus is, is like, what, what do you want the benefit of doing these things to be, right? So it could be getting out of your bubble and, and experiencing new cultures. It could be gaining confidence. It could be whatever that is. For me, it's built community. That's the benefit I want out of these things that I'm going to put on my list. When, when I'm done crossing them off, of, I receive that. So that's a great place to start is to say, I want to gain more confidence, right? I want to, I was probably pretty a confident person, at least exteriorly um, before this trip, but afterwards for really, for me, like I was like, Oh, I can do, I can do anything. I, I have money and time and uh, intention to do. And so 
that's really again going back to that intention of what do you want out of that and if it's confidence that you need built then put things on there that are going to either challenge you or make you feel good that you've accomplished and and it's a great way to to again retell your story in a new way and and it's not just telling it to other people but it's telling it to yourself so i have one last question have you put anything on your bucket list that you've done that while you were in process or after you finished it you were like yeah, that wasn't exactly what I was expecting. That didn't give me what I wanted. Oh, see, I'm in the I'm in the very lucky position where I interview, you know, eight to ten people a month <laughs> about their bucket list. So uh, I have people on sometimes the things that I want to do, and as they're describing them to me, I'm like, mm, okay, well, I probably won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> And so I don't want to not answer your question. I will, but but for me, one of the major things is you you're putting this bucket list together is to be able to say it's a living document, right? So often when we put things down on paper, or we say them you know out loud, we think that they're you know somewhere written on stone in our permanent file someplace that if we don't do them, then there's something wrong with us. That's why I don't like uh, New Year's resolutions because there's so much shame that can get involved in New Year's resolutions because only 15% of people actually follow through with them. So it's just like, like that is not something I want to engage in because I don't want the shame of not doing it. So that's the great thing about a bucket list. Uh, and like you were saying, Kim, like I review my bucket list probably every three months. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I either can put things on there that I've found that I want to do. I can cross things off that I've completed. Or I can actually, you know, take things off of it that I don't want to do anymore. So for me, like one of those would have been, um, uh, Burning Man, right? I'm 53 years old. I, it's burning. Lots of older people go to Burning Man. That's not, that's not what I'm trying to say. But for me, at 53, and having walked the Camino and been dirty for 30 days, uh, I didn't want sand in every pore of my body, <laughs> in every crack in my body after eight days, right? It's mm -hmm. taking me another eight days to get it all out. Like that just kind of hit me that I don't think I want to do this. So I took it off the list. I don't have any shame in that. I don't have any, you know, um, regret in that. I think that's, um, you know, it, again, it's about telling your own story and that list should be fluid. It should be, able, you should be able to change it and do things. So I tend to, not, that also means I tend to not do things I haven't like put a lot of thought into, even the knuckle tattoos. I've been, you know, I've been thinking about doing that for almost 20 years. And, you know, what's the right wording? What's the right letters? What's the, you know, all that has been very well thought out um, to get to that point. So, I, again, I think it's one of the beauties of the list is that uh, you, you have that chance to, like, look at those things and do the and, and do the research and be comfortable with I'm making this decision. Um, sometimes, you know, opportunities will pop up and I'll just be like, okay, let's go do that. <laughs> you know, And then I retroactively go back on my list and cross it off. You know? <laughs> That's okay too. And, and so I think that as long as you're, you have that mindset that this thing is fluid, um, that it's probably pretty rare that you would find something that you um, do and then like, don't really enjoy it. Uh, I can't really think I, it's a great question. I never had it before, but I don't, I don't think I have anything really. Um, I recently interviewed a guy that, uh, wing walked, like he got mm -hmm. out of the plane and like got up on top and, and rode on the wing while it flew. And he said it wasn't as, uh, adrenaline pumping as he thought it would be. So he probably wouldn't do it again. 
So it was like, okay, <laughs> you know, for me, it would have been, <laughs> but, but for him, it was like, eh, it was okay. You know? Um, so now he's looking for other things. And I just told him, don't get into a submarine and go to the Titanic. You'll be fine. There's other no <laughs> things you can do besides that. Um, hopefully that wasn't too soon, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, don't think, I don't think I really had it. Cause, cause I've put a lot of time and energy into like, am, am, this is something that's going to bring me joy. Again, going back to that lens you're talking about is that if you put it through that lens enough times, gosh, I hope it does. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't, that's okay. But but man, if, if you've thought through it and really set your intention behind it, it should be, you should find something good in it. <laughs> so I, I would hope. I would hope too. Man, yeah, I can't imagine. Like you even just said wing walking and I'm like, Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was like, yeah, I didn't even feel like a roller coaster or anything. I was just floating around. I was like, oh my gosh, no. <laughs> Well, and I think, and that kind of goes to my golden nugget for our conversation here today was that like, if, if your bucket list, um, and I'm going to equate it to your career, if it's a living, breathing thing, if it's something that you're constantly looking at, making adjustments, taking things off that don't feel good, um, you don't have to do them to know that it's not going to feel great, um, but you have to be looking at it with intention. Um, and, and if you're doing that, you're going to probably end up in a pretty cool place doing a whole lot of things that bring you joy. Um, and, and I love that. We don't often think about um, our careers as, as that kind of living, breathing, like, am I intentionally doing what's going to bring me joy? We usually just get on autopilot, right? Put those blinders on and, and keep plowing through. So um, I love that. And, and I hope more people um, think about a bucket list career um, with intention um, and a bucket list life. I'm already excited. Can I put something on my bucket list that I've done that wasn't on my list, but I've already done it? Yeah. I mean, retroactively. Start yeah, sure. I, I mean, there's no rules. There are no rules. You know, <laughs> until the guy that wrote the movie comes out and says, here are the rules for bucket list. I don't think, you know, there's any set rules, but uh, you know, yes. You know, like, I, so I'll give you an example for myself. My father passed away. I was in Italy. Uh, and my told my partner, you know, uh, can you bring my, my, my jacket, my smoking jacket, uh, to, to the funeral for me to wear. And she's like, you're not wearing that thing. It looks like you're Elvis and you're in that thing. And I was like, well, I don't have anything else. She goes, go buy a suit. I'm like, I'm in Italy. This, buying a suit's probably not going to be <laughs> an inexpensive thing. And she, and she goes, okay. And then we got the phone and I, you know, got on the Google machine and searched, you know, tailors and found this little tiny tailor outside of town, went there, had an amazing experience uh, with his staff and the tailor walked in and, and he's like, I, I think I have something. And I, and he put it on me and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is going to be so expensive. This is going to, you know, I'm going to have to go, I'm going to have to go back home and stay home. I'm not going to be able to finish the rest of my trip. Uh, and it turned out that it was, you know, it was a lot cheaper than the Armani and it was, you know, a little bit more expensive than the men's warehouse, but, but it was beautiful. When I was sitting there looking myself in the, in the mirror, I'm like, dad, dad deserves this, right? It's not even about me. It's like, dad deserves the best. Um, and this occasion, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to him, and and so I bought that suit. I've worn it multiple times since. I love the suit; <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. Handmade Italian suit. I never would have done that. I never would have done that in a million years. Um, put that on my bucket list to have a, you know, a handmade Italian silk suit. That's which wouldn't have been there. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I thought about that exact thing. So I did. I went back, put it on my list, and crossed it off at the same moment. That's okay. I love that. That's so going on my list, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'll, I'll like, give you. I don't a, wear suits, but I just want something handmade in Italian. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> well Fabrizio, he does a lot of different stuff. He's a, he's a good artist, so Sweet. I'll give you his information if you want. <laughs> Fantastic! I will let you know. Um, Roger, what is your golden nugget from today's conversation? Oh, just to remember that you know things are <clears throat> things are always up to you, right? I really enjoyed that when you said the word control like that this is something that can give you control. I really do, you know, agree with that and believe that, that if you set your intention right, create a list that you know is going to bring you joy, you're in control and it's nobody else's. And you're going to find the joy you're looking for because again, you're telling that story. So that was, for me, that was it. I love that. What was your, what's your golden nugget? Um, even though it was what I said, it was off of what, like I summarized it in my head. It's that idea of those microbursts of joy. It's mm -hmm. that your bucket list is this living, breathing thing that we can create through these microbursts of joy. It's, it's allowing ourselves to not think that it has to be something big and grandiose. We can absolutely. And to also have these opportunities to create things that are, are smaller, but are not in our norm. And so that's, that's really my takeaway there. I loved it. Beautiful, beautiful. Awesome. I love this conversation. Thanks for dropping by, Roger. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a complete pleasure and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity for sure. Oh, absolutely. And where in the world can people find you to stay connected with all this goodness? Yeah, the best place is uh, crossingitoffpodcast.com. You can uh, actually hear episodes of the show there. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I drop two episodes a week. We talk to people that have crossed a specific item off their bucket list. So if there's something that you've been thinking about doing, scroll through that list of titles. So you'll see if it's there and listen to the show. If not, still listen to the show because it's great about um, being able to hear other people, why they put things on their, their bucket list, how they got there, and even the process of crossing it off. You can also find my book uh, at the website, Live Out Your List, Finding Joy Through a Bucket List Lifestyle. It's available on Amazon and Kindle and in paperback. And so, yeah, you can find all those things at the website. Fantastic. Thank Love you it. so much. Louise, what do we have coming up next week? Do you remember? Next week, uh, yeah, as soon as you pop it up, I'll remember. Oh, we're talking to Shannon. <laughs> um, oh, what a dear soul Shannon is. Uh, it's a great conversation, and we're all going to be talking about the other F word, um, failure, um, and it's going to be a great one. So join us next week on August the 4th. Perfect. Roger, thank you again. This has been an absolute joy. And um, yeah, there we go. I'm going to cross this off my bucket list because I've had that much fun in this conversation. Awesome. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thanks again, everyone. Thanks for dropping by. Take care. Bye for now. Bye.